Hello, this is Zach Driscoll welcoming you to the Real Men Podcast. This podcast is specifically designed to equip men of all ages. My dad's heart has always been to build up men to be strong followers of Jesus and future leaders for their families. We want to build men up, not beat men up. For more Bible-centered resources like this, visit realfaith.com slash realmen. Now get ready for this week's Real Men Talk from my dad, Pastor Mark. Really good to have you guys with us. And if you're new, you're in the uh, right place with the best guys. Welcome to Real Men. Thanks for joining us live. Thanks to those who give us the honor of joining us uh, on the... uh on the internet, uh, we're glad to have you. And uh, let me just start by saying that next week is our final week of Real Men's for the semester. And we're gonna take a little break for the summer, but as was stated, at least here, not online, we're gonna do date nights starting on January 9th. How many of you guys are married? You got a wife? Right, okay, great, great, great. This is gonna be really good. If you've never been into Bible study, Song of Solomon is a good place to start, okay? And, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you, it's the most romantic, erotic, explicit, incredible book of the Bible. So I want you to all practice what I preach. So we're gonna go through the Song of Solomon. My wife and I'll have really short, little, about 30 minute talks or so. And then what we're gonna do on Wednesday night, starting June 9th, over the course of the summer, we're gonna then send you out on a date night and we're gonna watch your kids for free. Anybody like free babysitting? Okay, free babysitting, that's what we're doing. How many of you guys are engaged? We'd love to have you join us. How many of you guys are single? Okay, you may wanna join us, you may not. It depends on your pain threshold. So we'd love to have you nonetheless. Uh, Maybe if nothing else, you could volunteer in kids ministry, find a wife and join us next summer. Nonetheless, that's what we are doing. And uh, what I'm gonna talk about tonight is in uh, Romans chapter 12. And the, uh, the topic is why men can't let it go. Let me start with an analogy, an illustration. So I recently found one of the weirdest television uh, programs. These guys go in and uh, people will have defaulted, bankrupted on their plane. So these guys will come in, they'll break into a private airport, they'll find a plane that they've never seen, and then they will hijack it and repossess it. These guys, I can't even imagine this. You're in a plane that you know nothing about. What could possibly go wrong? And so these guys are just taking planes out of the hangar and then immediately repossessing them, hoping that they fly and work. In one particular episode, there was a guy and he had a great plane and he got it on the runway and he had a really hard time getting it off the ground, barely made it over uh, the trees in the elevation. And then as he's trying to climb, he's like, man, there's just something wrong with this plane. All of the gauges seemed fine, the motor seemed fine, nothing was on fire. And so eventually they pulled over at a regional airport because they didn't have the ability to actually go over some mountain ranges that were set before them. They, they were incapable of elevating to the correct altitude. So they pulled over to a regional airport, come to find there is a massive load of very heavy weighty cargo in the plane that they didn't know because it's not their plane and they just repossessed it. They didn't time, take time to fully investigate it. As soon as they got all of this really heavy weighty cargo out, what do you think happened? Well, exactly what's supposed to. The plane goes up really easily. It then goes to the appropriate flight level. Immediately, it gets really good gas mileage. Everything is fine. The point is there was nothing wrong with the plane, but it was just carrying a load that it shouldn't have been carrying. The moral of the story is this, that I think many men are like that. 
Uh, God's got you on the right runway. You're on the right plane. You're going the right direction. God has a good destiny for you. For some of you, it's hard to get the plane up off the runway. For some of you, it's hard to get it to the appropriate altitude or to get good gas mileage. And it may not be because you're doing the wrong thing, you're going the wrong direction, or there's anything wrong with you. It may simply be that the load that you're carrying, the weight that you're bearing is not intended for you. And what I am hoping and praying for us as men in our time together is that if we're carrying weights, loads, and burdens that we shouldn't, guess what we do? We're pulling over tonight. And what we're gonna do, we're gonna dump those loads so you guys can get back up with the future that God has for you. And a lot of the times for men, what this is, this weight, this burden, this load is something that I'm gonna call your it. Um, and uh, don't add to it, just let it be it. But it's your it. And what happens with your it is it's something that you just can't let go of. You can't drop. It's a weight, it's a load that you can't dump. Sometimes uh, this is a catastrophic thing from your past. Uh, your dad walked out when you were little and you have a father wound and a bitterness ever since. Maybe it is your parents got divorced when you were young and your whole family kind of imploded and exploded. And as a result, life was difficult. For some of you, uh, your first wife cheated on you and you got divorced. For some of you, a business partner betrayed you. For some of you, uh, kids just sort of disowned and abandoned you, whatever the case may be. If you're a man and you go through life, you're gonna have some stuff that is going to come on you and you're gonna need to have the ability to get it off of you because it's too much of a weight for you to bear. Sometimes it's a big thing, a really big thing. It, it may have been a betrayal, a sin, an abandonment, an abuse. Sometimes it's not necessarily a big thing, but the person is a big deal. Some years ago, I, uh, I learned a painful lesson through my sinning against a young man. And he was going out to plant a church and I thought I'd been a good pastor to him and loved him and served him. And I thought I did a good job. And so we're meeting and I just wanted to bless him and pray for him and send him to what God had for him. And, uh, and I said, is there anything I've said or done that has hurt you or anything I need to own or anything I can unburden you for? And I thought he'd say, no, uh, you and Jesus, I can hardly tell you apart. That's what I was anticipating. It's like, it's, you know, twinsies. And so I thought, you know, it'd be a good time for you to compliment me. I've done such a good job. And instead he started uh, getting very emotional. And I was sort of surprised because I, I thought I'd done a good job being good to him. And he said, well, on this day, he literally named the, the, the year, the month, the day, the time. Uh, I mean, he literally nailed it. And when we were in this place, he named the place. He said, you said these words and he quoted me word for word. And I thought, oh my gosh, this guy has been living in that moment ever since. He's not left that moment. He's literally frozen in that experience. And uh, I remember looking at him and he says, do you remember that, honestly? I didn't. I said, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm sorry. I could tell that I really hurt you and I, I sinned against you. And I said, but I'll be totally honest with you. I don't even remember saying that, okay? How many of us have said or done something and somebody comes back later and they're like, you said or did this? You're like, I, I don't even remember that. That was the worst day of your life. That was just another day in my life. I don't remember. And uh, I said, I'm sorry, I didn't know that was a big deal. And what he said really, really taught me something significant. He said, what you said wasn't a big deal, but you're a big deal. And I said, oh, okay. And it dawned on me in that moment, um, with certain people, you're not carrying a hammer, you're carrying a Thor hammer. Every, every time you hit something, it's like, it was a big deal. And it's not because the issue was a big deal, but because the relationship was. So a lot of times for men, it can either be a big thing, or it wasn't necessarily a big thing, but it was somebody that you had big expectations and hopes for.
This could have been your business partner. This could have been your dad, your mom. This could have been your spouse. This could have been your girlfriend. You were gonna marry her and then you go to boot camp and you come back and she's pregnant, it's not yours. And I mean, these are the things that happen to men through the course of life. And so what he's talking about here in uh, Romans chapter 12, we're in Romans and I, I do leadership talks for men. And I wanna talk a little bit about the text that I'll be in this weekend. I wanna look at five reasons why men can't let it go. And I would just ask you, what is your it? What is the thing that is the weight, the cargo, the burden in your plane? You're like, you're having a hard time getting your life off the ground or getting it to the altitude and elevation that God intends for you. What is that thing? And usually it's some sort of hurt, frustration, disappointment. And if you're a man, injustice from your past, okay? So we're gonna look through these. Number one, we have always lived our life in the fight from school to sports to family, military, and business. True or false as men, many of us, our whole life has just been kind of a battle. You go to school, you fight. You go to recess, you fight. You come home to a rough neighborhood, you fight. You join a sports team, you fight. You graduate, you join the military, you fight. You join a fraternity, you fight. You go into business, you fight. You've been in the fight your whole life. Any men relate to that? That's where I was born. I was born in a rough neighborhood. You had to fight your way through it. Um, here's what he says. Repay no one, Romans 12, 17, what? Evil for evil. How hard is it for a man not to counterpunch and return fire? This is gonna take a supernatural miracle, right? If you're a man, there's something in there that says, if you hit me, I hit you back. If you attack me, I attack you back. How many of you are just counter punchers by nature? It's almost second nature, it's unconscious. Somebody says something, you're like, here we go. Somebody comes at you, oh, this is gonna happen. All right, how many of you guys fight or flight? You've never even prayed about flight. You're like, I'm in. Right, let's just ding, ding, find me Bruce Buffer. Let's just do this, okay? He says, don't return evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. What happens when someone does evil against you, it is a provocation to a conflict, a fight and a battle. Now, how many of you, there's someone in your life that they just know immediately how to get you to enter the ring? We've all got those people, right? How many of you, it's your kid? Right now in your mind, you're seeing your teenager. You're like, oh my gosh. They, some of you, it's your wife. Some of you, it's your mom, your dad. It's your coworker, it's your boss. There's somebody who when they say something, when they do something, they incite in you a fight response. You want to respond and you want to respond to their evil with what? With evil, more evil. Now, let me just tell you this, evil plus evil doesn't equal honorable. Okay, and what he says is you want the equation to come out equals honorable. And what he says is honorable in the sight of all. You can win your fight and lose your character. You can win your fight and lose your reputation. You can win your fight and lose your marriage. You can win your fight and lose your kids. You could win your fight and lose your family. You could, you, you could win your fight and you could lose everything. And how many of us know guys that they just keep fighting and they don't understand that they think that they're winning, but they don't see everyone and everything that they're losing. And so what he says is, do what is honorable in the sight of all, okay? And what happens is when men have conflict, true or false, men have conflict, we just do. So men have conflict, one says or does something evil. The immediate knee-jerk response of the other man is to return fire, to engage, to counterpunch, to return evil for evil. But the problem is who's watching? 
a lot of people. And what could happen is you get so fixated on the person that frustrated you or angered you or annoyed you or provoked you or disappointed you or sinned against you or committed a crime against you that you lose sight of everyone else. You don't realize people are watching. I'm teaching my kids how to behave. Right? They're gonna see what I say and do and that's gonna be a lesson for them. Do I want my kids to grow up being like this? I'm training my wife, if she is watching this, how to respond. Uh, coworkers, fellow church members, brothers, friends, people are watching. How many of you have gotten, how many, let's just be honest. Every man at some point has done this. We've just lost it. And then we look around and we realize that other people were there. <laughs> and then we're just like, oh, hmm, hmm. that's okay. That's when the Holy Spirit showed up, right? And all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, the way I'm conducting myself, the way I'm presenting myself, the way I'm responding, it's not honorable. This doesn't honor God. And this doesn't honor the person that God has made me to be. And this doesn't honor the people that as a man, I have a leadership influence over. And the way I'm conducting myself is actually discipling them. Because a lot of discipleship is caught, not taught. It's through observation, not just hearing. It's watching and doing, okay? Um, Another thing that he says, number two, we get addicted to the adrenal height of the, uh, high, high of the fight. Here's what happens when a man gets angry, when he engages the fight, when he's in battle. This can be military, this can be sports, this can be an argument, this can be business. Oftentimes it is business, this can be ministry. What happens is a man feels very powerful and strong. All of a sudden, all the endorphins fire, all the adrenaline fires, and a guy feels really strong and on. How many of you guys were in the military or you were in sports and you were able to actually fight through a tremendous or significant injury and you didn't even really feel it until it was over and then you had the adrenaline dump and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was that injured or that, that, that sick until the adrenaline dumped and then you really felt it. But it can mask a lot of pain, it can mask a lot of suffering. And all of a sudden what happens for many men, we get so used to the adrenaline high of the fight. And so he goes on to say this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Okay, is it sometimes impossible to live peaceably with some people? Yeah. There are some people, they just are all about the war. They're never about the peace. They're about the conflict, not the resolution. They like gas on the fire. They don't like water on the fire. Some people are that way. What he's saying is, insofar as it's possible with who? You. You and I will not stand before God and give an account for people that we're having conflicts with. We'll give an account for ourselves. They'll give an account for themselves. Okay. What he says is, try your best, do your part. What I always like to say is, for things to be worked out, it takes the person who was wrong to apologize or repent. And it takes the person who was wronged or sinned against to forgive. I mean, that's ultimately what it takes. What he's saying here is whatever your part is, do your part. If you were wrong, say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. If they were wrong, say, I love you and I forgive you. And what he's saying is you can only do your part. You can't do both parts because two parties are involved. But what he's saying is insofar as is possible, with you, what he's saying is try your best to live how? Peaceably. And what happens is for some men, the living peaceably is a foreign experience. 
We get so used to going to work to fight and coming home to the fight and just living in the fight that for us, peace, peace is odd. Some of you are soldiers. Some of you have been in the military. Some of you have been in combat. We love you. We're honored to have you. We, we believe in law and order and enforcement and military service. But sometimes what I, uh, what I hear from soldiers and brothers is that if they're deployed for a really long time and they're used to constant shelling and living on the edge and adrenaline flowing in the fight, when they come home, it's what? It's hard to adjust to peacetime. All of a sudden, peacetime seems abnormal and wartime seems normal. All of a sudden, conflict seems normal and, uh, and peace seems awkward. That there are some who have a very hard time transitioning to civilian life. It's because they've lived in the fight for so long that they struggled to make the transition to peace. And I'm saying this to some of you men, what he says is, insofar as it's possible with you, seek to live peaceably with all people. Let, let me say this, this is not avoiding, this is not denying, and this is not a coward. Some cowards run from the battle. He's not talking about that. Think of it in this way. Um, I was thinking about it as I was praying for you today. So Jesus Christ, God and savior, greatest man who's ever walked the earth, he's being crucified on the cross. Could he have returned evil for evil, reviling for reviling? Yeah, think about it. In that moment, they're literally lying about Jesus. They're attacking him, they're maligning him, they're shaming him. They have falsely tried him, accused him, arrested him. They have destroyed his reputation in front of his own mother. You wanna pick a fight with a guy? Pick a fight in front of his mom. Now in that moment, if Jesus would have returned evil for evil, what could he have said and done? Can you imagine that? Jesus actually knew everyone who was there and everything they had ever done. If he wanted to return evil for evil, he could have, he could have eviscerated people. Hey, Tom, I know your wife's there. Tell her about your girlfriend, Sally. All right, I mean, he could have just went through the crowd. Uh, Tony, I know you're there with your boss. You're both cussing me out. You don't understand that he's been stealing from you. Last year, he stole this number of dollars. Check this account uh, at Chase Bank. I mean, he literally knew it all. And he could have just sat there and said, okay, we're gonna do, you're gonna talk about me, I'm gonna talk about you. You're gonna attack me, I'm gonna attack you. You're gonna trash me, I'm gonna trash you. Who would have won that fight? Jesus. Nobody ever picked a verbal argument with Jesus and walked away unscathed unless he just chose to live peaceably. Now, when Jesus did that, do you think he was being weak or strong? It takes a lot of strength. How many of you have had that kid in school that just keeps flicking you, hoping that you hit them so that they can tell the teacher that you hit them? And if you were that kid, knock it off. Okay, spank yourself when you get home. You're a naughty kid. There are always those guys like that. And now the guy who can endure that, the guy can, um, he can bear up under that and seek to not return with evil and not to in any way um, escalate, but de-escalate through seeking peace. That's a guy with a lot of self-control. Let me tell you this. The Bible talks about this as meekness. Meekness and weakness are totally different things. And most men don't know this. Weakness is a guy who doesn't like conflict and he doesn't like to fight and he's scared and he just, he just doesn't like to have any conflict or difficulty. Meekness is I could wreck you and I'm not going to because I'm going to love you. Now I could wreck you, but I'm not going to because I love you. And what Jesus Christ demonstrates throughout his life and on the cross is not weakness, but 
Meekness. Meekness literally means power under control. Power under control. And so what he's saying here is seek to live peaceably. So let me ask you this, who or what is your it? Who or what is your it? You're like, that's the load in my plane. That's the burden. That's the frustration. That's the burr under my saddle. That thing drives me crazy. That person is just on my last nerve. Seek to live peaceably. Sometimes living peaceably is literally just enduring insult as Jesus did. Sometimes it's just choosing to walk away rather than engage the fight. Sometimes it is deciding that I'm gonna treat you the way God treats me. I'm not going to treat you the way you treat me. That's the mark of meekness. The mark of meekness is when you treat me a certain way, I'm not going to react to you. I'm gonna respond to him and I'm gonna treat you the way he treats me and I'm gonna let him deal with you. I'm not gonna deal with you. I'm gonna let him deal with you. And that's where he's going here. Number three, um, we all have inner vows about losing rather than trusting. Um, A covenant is a promise between us and God. An inner vow is a demonic counterfeit of that. And it is a covenant with ourselves, God excluded. And for men, these inner vows are things like, I will always or I will never. These are promises and vows that are made not between us and God, but between us and ourselves. Many men have these unspoken inner vows, sometimes even past from generation to generation. So let's just do a little experiment. How many of you, your dad, your grandpa, the men in your family, they had some sort of rules, some truisms, some, I would call them legalisms or inner vows, right? What would examples of those be? Never, ever, ever disrespect your mother or your father, okay? Now, honoring your mother and father is good, but at some point, at some point, um, if you disagree with your mother or father, is that disrespecting your mother and father? No, but sometimes if they have an inner vow, you will never disrespect me. Sometimes that becomes, you're not even allowed to disagree with me. We're not allowed to debate or discuss things. And if you ever disagree with us, you're gonna come up against the inner vow. Other inner vows that men have and or we put on our kids and they become generational curses. Never let them see you cry. cry. They're like, well, Jesus, the shortest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. So like, so Jesus is not a a man? Like, you know, Jesus, if Jesus wept, guess what men do? Now, don't do it all the time. Right, like if you're, if you're like, I just watch Lifetime and that's all I do all weekend. I just, I just water my beard. I just water my beard. Like you, you, need, you need to find some other hobby, okay? But you know, like um, there are times, the Bible says, in fact, there is a time to weep. Your wife miscarries a kid, you better shed some tears, right? Your kid has a hard day. They're really broken. Maybe something devastating or catastrophic happens to your wife or kids. Right? You need to have your face show God's heart, which means there, there might be some tears. But we make these vows, we make these inner vows. Other inner vows that men make and or we pass on to our children. Never Don't drink in the morning. That's just good advice, by the way. Um, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Never back down from a fight. You can't be a good Christian and true to that inner vow. There are times in the Bible that it says that people came to pick a fight with Jesus and it says that he withdrew quietly, right? Um, 
there are times that Jesus would engage the conflict and there are times that Jesus would disengage the conflict. The point is when there's potential conflict, you need to be led by the spirit, not your inner vow. Your inner vow is always never back down from a fight. Well, it's just, well, what if the Holy Spirit's saying, this ain't your fight or this ain't your time to fight or this ain't the way to fight. Or actually the Holy Spirit shows up and says, this is my fight, you go home, right? I'll take care of this and I'll take care of you. And so what sometimes happens is as men, especially when we're in conflict or we're under duress or we're being stressed or opposed or pressed, what happens is we can default to the inner vows, right? Um, other things that happen, for example, with men, um, some men, literally the inner vow passed to them by their father is, uh, you never say you're, sorry. never say you're sorry, never say you're wrong, never do. Like, well, then you're, you can't be a good Christian because the Bible says that we're a sinner, which means on occasion, we need to say we're sorry because we were wrong. That's just Christianity 101. So back to the text, um, so we have inner vows about losing rather than trusting. And the inner vow is, I will never lose. I will never back down. Here's what he says, Romans 12, 19, beloved. Here's the first thing, God loves you, right? He loves you like a father loves a son. And when he's talking to you, this is like a dad pulling his son aside and saying, son, listen to me, right? You, you need to get this. This is super important. Never what? Avenge yourself. See, there's a difference between defending women, children, a police officer stepping in to protect someone and just always fighting for yourself. It's not a problem to fight. The question is, if you're always fighting for yourself, you may be wasting a lot of your time and energy. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the what? the wrath of God. You know what's better than your vengeance is God's wrath, okay? Right, amen? amen? Like I love all those vengeance movies. I'll be honest, they're cathartic. Like when COVID hit, the only guy making movies was Liam Neeson. So I appreciate that, all right? Um, for it is written and he quotes the Old Testament, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. What God says is, if it ain't your fight, stay out of it. If it's my fight, trust me to get in it. Now as men, true or false, we really, we, we struggle to believe that. And what God is saying is, son, you gotta trust me. If it ain't your fight, you stay out of it. If it is my fight, I will get into it. And vengeance is not yours, wrath is mine, okay? Vengeance is one level, wrath is next level. That's what God says. Now, the way that God gets his wrath is one of two ways. Either somebody comes to know the Lord Jesus and the wrath of God is poured on the Son of God. And as a result, Jesus Christ pays their debt of wrath to God. Okay? When Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The wrath of God was poured out on the Son of God as a substitute for sinners. So how many of you, we, we know as Christians that we should endure the wrath of God and instead Jesus did. So the wrath of God was taken care of by Jesus. So the first way that God pours out his wrath is someone comes to saving faith in Jesus and the wrath is poured out on Jesus, not them. And they get saved and forgiven just like you if you're a Christian. Now, you know, your heart is bitter when your enemy gets saved and you're bummed. You're like, they were going to hell. Next thing you know, they rerouted the flight. Now they're gonna be with me forever. You know your heart's in a bad place. 
right? So you want your enemies to meet Jesus and stop being God's enemies. The other way that God gets his wrath is not at the cross, but where? It's hell. Hell is the place of God's wrath. And what that means is that God is saying, I'm going to deal with them in this life, but if they don't repent and come to my son, Jesus, they're going to have wrath for eternal life. Let me say this, there's nothing that you can do to anyone that is even in the same league or category as hell. And so how many of you are justice guys? You're just justice guys. You're engineers, you're accountants, right? You're, you're air traffic controllers, you're cops, you're former soldiers, right? You're, you're gun carrying Arizonans. You're just the justice people, right? If you're a justice person and you see or experience injustice, there's something in that it just feels out of order. It's not concluded, it's not resolved, it's not right, it's not fixed. And the point is they're not getting away with it, that God is going to involve himself in it. And that ultimately God will take care of it. Now God does so perfectly. Let me ask you this, our vengeance, is it always right, correct, true, accurate, and appropriately measured? No, because we're men. And so what happens is we'll get partial information and rush to a conclusion that may be unjust vengeance. We could be wrong or partially informed and partially misinformed. Sometimes our vengeance is they hurt us and we're seeking to hurt them. And we think that we're doing an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but we're doing both eyes and all their teeth. We've sort of just escalated all of that conflict. How many of you have thought that you were done wrong, so then you return evil for evil, and it was vengeance, and they felt like they, you went too far, so then they came back at you to make it even and to sort of settle the score and the weight of justice, and you're like, no, that's not fair, so then you go back at them. How many of you have had these relationships? Okay, how does it end? Everybody loses. And it's, it's not doing what is honorable in the sight of all, starting with God. And sometimes guys will get so fixated on the hurt. They'll get so fixated on the offense. They'll get so fixated on the person, they lose sight of everything else. And all of a sudden your best time and your best energy, it's not going to Jesus, your spouse, your kids. It's going to that coworker. It's going to that betraying business partner. It's going toward that ex-spouse who lawyered up. It's going toward that extended family member who just won't shut up. And all of a sudden you are engaged in something that is going to be a fight for the rest of your life. But what you don't see is all the collateral damage around you, the people that you're supposed to be loving and protecting. Meanwhile, they're caught in the crossfire. He then goes on, uh, we are counterpunchers by nature, okay? Men by nature, healthy men, now, now broken men, are not counterpunchers by nature, but a healthy man is a counterpuncher by nature. And he says this, Romans 12, 20, to the contrary, if you're what? Enemy, that is important. Do you as a man, do you have real enemies? Yeah. And this isn't pretending, oh, they're a nice person. They got a good heart. You just misjudge them. He says, they're a what? They're an enemy. They're acting like an enemy. They're acting like an enemy. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, the reason that we don't believe this is we've never tried it. <laughs> Amen. 
We've never tried it. He told us earlier in Romans that there's this guy named Pharaoh who's got this really hard heart toward God. So God's like, hey, Pharaoh, your heart's hard. He's like, oh, it's, it's harder now. Oh, wait, hey, Pharaoh, you know what? Some bad things are gonna happen if you don't change your heart. Oh, you think you could boss me around? Nope, Pharaoh, look, I'll forgive you. I forgive people, that's my thing. Um, I've done this before. This can work between us. Um, there is actually an opportunity for grace for you, but you just need to understand that your heart's in a pretty dark place and you're, 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 pretty, you're pretty sick in your soul right now. Oh, you think you could tell me what to do? You wanna pick a fight with me? You got another thing. What happens is Pharaoh just keeps hardening his heart. And the way that God does that is that God literally is sort of heaping burning coals on his head, meaning um, that he is being gracious and loving and merciful and kind. And all Pharaoh is doing, he's just escalating the fight. He's just living for the fight. And he wants to fight with God. Nobody's ever wanna fight with God. What he's saying here is this, if you wanna do what is honorable in the sight of all, don't repay evil for evil. Don't, don't return fire for fire when you're in a relationship with someone. What he's saying is um, instead do return fire, but fire what? Fire grace. Do punch back, but punch grace. That's what he's saying. And a lot of guys are just like, well, I just can't say nothing. I can't do nothing. No, you're supposed to say something and do something. Take evil and give what? Grace. How did God treat you and me? We gave him evil, he gave us grace. That's how he treated us. And what'll happen for those people that you have that conflict with, these people who are your it, these people, these things in your present or your past or you're fearful of in your future that are just, they're a burden, they're a weight, they're a frustration. Like, I'm just tired of carrying this. It's weighing me down. What you're doing at that moment, you're giving them grace. And then what you're doing is you're sort of leaving the fight. You're saying, you know what? I'm gonna treat you like Jesus treated me. And then I'm gonna let Jesus deal with you, okay? Now, the problem is here, this is an incredible act of faith, okay? As men, because what we think is, if I take this out of my hands, will God put it in his hands? That's faith. It's like, Lord, I'm transferring this person. I'm transferring this conflict. I'm transferring this problem. I am not going to act like I'm God and judge. I'm gonna, so guess what? I'm gonna give it to you. Okay. Sometimes what happens in the judicial system, there's a case that's tried and then it gets bumped to a higher court. What you're doing here is you're literally bumping this case to a higher court. You say, you know what? I'm not gonna serve as judge, jury, and executioner. I'm gonna give grace. I'm gonna put grace on you. I'm gonna bless you. And bless you sometimes literally means I'm not gonna say anything. Because if someone is saying or doing evil against you, you can't lie. And I wouldn't encourage you to lie. Don't pretend like they're great. He said, you can identify them as an enemy, but sometimes blessing them is literally just not talking about it, okay? Some of you guys have got an ex-wife. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Kids are like, tell me what happened. Um, no, because I don't wanna return evil for evil. And I do wanna put grace on it. And I hope they meet the Lord Jesus. And if they don't, it's gonna be a really bad day when they stand before the Lord Jesus. And I want to treat them the way that Jesus treated me. 
And at the end of the day, I wanna do what's honorable in the sight of all, because if I trash her, I'm discipling you to eventually trash who? Me. And this is what we lose sight of as men and as leaders. We set examples and in the moment we get emotional. We don't realize I'm training the people around me to react and respond. And someday are they gonna treat me the way I'm teaching them by treating others, okay? And then he concludes with this. Um, Here's the big idea. We don't believe that moving on is moving up. When you can't let it go, when you won't disengage the fight, when you have to set the record straight, when you have to win the war, you can't move on because you won't move up. You're not gonna get above it. You're gonna get drugged down into it and stuck in it. Some of you have been in the same fights for a long time. Some of you have been in the same battles, the same conflicts with the same people for a very long time. And here's what he says. Do not overcome, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Question, can evil ever defeat evil? No, no. Some of you grew up in those homes. Mom or dad did evil, so what did the, uh, what did the other one do? Evil. You know who lost? Everybody. I'm telling you this, right now, our whole country is just a bunch of people wearing suicide vests. They're just walking around saying, I'm okay blowing you up. Um, And if that means I need to blow myself up, I'm okay blowing myself up as long as I blow you up. And what I would say is a whole nation and generation of suicide vest wearers is not a good way to live your life and raise your family. Okay? Because there are people who are literally willing to blow themselves up as long as you are close enough that you get caught in the shrapnel. And what he's saying is this, don't be overcome by evil and don't respond to evil with evil, overcome evil with what? Good. Let me tell you this guys, this is one of the hardest things that a man will ever do. Um, Let me tell you a story. I had a meeting recently. I won't tell you too many details because I don't want to betray this man's confidence. I love him very much but a a man that I I know and love and respect, quite frankly. And and he's he's gotten in this just sort of rough season where he's just in it, fighting conflict. Who's gonna win? Who's gonna win? Who's gonna win? And I I met with him. I was like, how are you doing? He literally looked at me. He said, I'm not doing good. I said, what's going on? He said, I can't sleep. I'm just depressed and angry all the time. I'm just grumpy, I got a short fuse. He said, I feel like my whole life has a migraine and everything just sort of gets me. And uh, I said, well, when's it gonna end? He said, well, I got a couple more years of these legal battles and these conflicts. And I was like, so I said, are you gonna, are you gonna live long enough to make it through this? Like you've decided I'm gonna fight everybody and everything to the bitter end. And he said, that's what I decided. And I said, are, are, you, gonna, are you gonna live through it? Like you're, you're not like physically, emotionally, spiritually, all the check engine lights are on. And maybe at the beginning you'd wake up and the adrenaline would fire and you'd get angry. But you know, after a few years, the body just starts to misfire and the soul is no longer well. And uh, he looked at me, he was very honest. He said, he said, I don't know if I'll live through it. I said, why don't you just get out of the ring? Why don't you just stop fighting and arguing and declaring war? And he said, uh, he said, 
He said, I made a promise to myself that I would never back down from a fight. I said, well, you should make a promise to God that you'll do what he wants. See, the problem is we make promises to ourselves. We don't make promises to our father. I said, I said does the father want you in the fight? He said, I don't know. I said, you haven't even asked him? Like you, you put your whole life in the fight and you haven't even asked him if he wants you in the fight? I said, if you're gonna die in the fight, I don't think dad wants you in the fight. He said, he said but I think I can win. I literally asked him, I said, okay. I said, be honest with me, I love you. I was trying to be very gracious because he's, he's fragile, he's in the fight. He feels like everyone and everything is against him. He's very defensive and, and I love him. So I asked him, I said, uh, I said, so you think you can win? I said, yeah. I said, what are you gonna win? He talks about the money and the legal and da, 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 da. And I looked at him and I said, okay, tell me this. What are you gonna lose if you win? If you fight all the way through and you win, what do you lose? And this man started crying. One of the strongest men I know. He said, uh, I've lost my health. I'm not doing good. He said, uh, he said, I'm starting to lose my wife. She just can't live with a man who's just like this all the time. He said, I've started to lose my kids. Um, he said, they're not calling, talking to me because every time they get on the phone, he said, I just always talk about me, not them. And I'm just trying to drag them into my fight. And they don't wanna, they don't wanna hear it anymore. I said, when's the last time that you went out with your grandkids and just had fun and weren't checking your phone about the fight? And he got pretty emotional. He said, uh, he said my grandkids really don't know me. I have not had much time for them. I looked at him, I said, so, so you're gonna win? He's like, yeah, I said, no, you're gonna, you're gonna lose everything to win nothing. The point is this, man, at some point in your life, someone or something is just gonna come upon you like a weight, a load, or a burden. You're gonna carry it as long as you can. You're gonna fight through it as long as you can. You're gonna lose perspective of everyone and everything. And all of a sudden, you're no longer gonna hear from God and you're just gonna continue to be broken and to continue forward. And what I would just beg you, because I love you and I love your wives and I love your kids. And I know that sometimes the most successful businessmen are the worst husbands and fathers because they just can't stop fighting and go home. I know that some guys are really incredibly, wonderfully successful in certain areas of life and abject failures in other areas of life because they sacrifice everything for the fight, whether it be business, whether it be ministry, whether it be setting the record straight, whether it be defeating foe and enemy. And I'm here because I love you. And I just want you so much to ask the father, is this my fight or your fight? And if it's your fight, forgive them as God has forgiven you. Take it out of your hands, put it into his hands. Trust that the father who made you is the, trust, is the father who will vindicate you. And at the end of the day, um, I looked at my friend who I love very, 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 very much. And I said, um, I said you know, I said, I, I've had more than a few fights in my life. And I'm a counterpuncher by nature. Um, I said, uh, I said I, I've decided something different than you. I said, what do you want? Okay, this is a really important question. I said, what do you want? He said, I wanna win. 
He said, what do you want? I said, I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy so I can enjoy Jesus because I actually really like him. I want to be healthy so that I can be a good son of the father and do whatever dad asked me to do. I said, I want to be really healthy so that my wife has the best version of me. I said, I, I really love my wife. I mean, she's amazing. The fact she's still there is a miracle, right? I just want, I want to come home and I want her to have the best version of me. I said, uh, I want my kids to have the healthiest version of me. I said, I, I don't know what kind of dad I am, but I, I do love these kids and it's an honor to be their dad. And I, I, want to, I want to come home and I want to be the healthiest version of me that I can be for my kids. And I said, someday my grandkids are going to show up. We're not there yet, but I'm prophesying it. And it looks awesome. And I said, uh, I, said I, I don't want to be at war. I want to be at peace. And I want when my grandkids are around their grandpa, I don't want them to feel like they're headed off to battle. Um, but I want them to feel like they're in a place of peace. And the only way for that to happen is to just live peaceably, to create an environment of peace where you can be healthy and the healthiest version of you. So I just ask you guys, who do you got to forgive? Uh, what do you just need to let go of? You know what? Can't fix that. Won't set the record straight. Just going to let that go. What thing in your past is just a moment that you continually revisit that you just need to say, you know what? I'm gonna spend some time in prayer and I'm gonna grieve that and mourn that and have the heart funeral and just leave that with the Lord. Who do you need to get um, some time writing a processing letter for? Just you and God alone for the day. Just writing it out and saying, man, these are the offenses. These are the hurts. These are the battles. These are the things I'd like to say, but I'm not gonna say them. These are the things I'd like to do, but I'm not gonna do them. And then just pray blessing over them and then just bury it or set it on fire and just be done with it and free yourself and move on. Sometimes the reason that men aren't healthy in the present is they have not healed from the past. And I love you so much. And I'm so proud of what you have become as a group of men. And I'm so proud of what we're accomplishing as a, as a small army of men and a band of brothers. But before we end our semester next weekend, I would just ask you, um, is it time to just let it go? Is it time to just put it down? Is it time to just forgive? Is it time to just walk away? Is it time to just bless and not curse? Is it time to load grace when you wanna load law? Is it time to just seek peace even though you've spent a lot of time at war. Because I want the best version of you. I want the healthiest, most spirit-filled, most Christ-like, most unburdened, most freed up, most joyful, hopeful version of you. And I want the world to see that you. And I want your wife to live with that you. And I want your kids to enjoy that you. And I want your grandkids to one day when you're gone, tell stories about that you. A couple of questions for your group, real simple tonight. Who or what do you need to let go or keep letting go of? And then how can we pray for you? Father, thanks for an opportunity to teach. And God, we confess as men, uh, the world is filled with a lot of uh, injustice abandonment, abuse, betrayal, lies, stealing, conniving, manipulating, taking advantage. And as men, we oftentimes experience a lot of that. 
We do so at work. Uh, sometimes we do so with our wife or our kids or our extended families. Uh, but God, I don't, I don't want these men to win. I want them to worship. I don't want them to just live for the fight. I want them to live for the Lord. And Lord, uh, I would just ask that you, Father, would speak to your sons and tell them what is it that they are carrying? What is the load that they are bearing? What is the burden that they are sustaining? What is the weight that is crushing them? Who or what do they need to walk away from? Who or what do they need to forgive? Who or what do they need to put grace on? And what does it mean for them insofar as is possible with them to seek to live peaceably with all people? And Holy Spirit, we invite you. We see nothing good in the Bible from vengeance or bitterness or the wrath of man or anger or busybodying or gossiping or slandering. There's no anointing on any of that. So Holy Spirit, we wanna live anointed lives. And so we ask that you would come to give us the character of Christ so we could be good sons in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the end of today's sermon. We hope today's word encourages you to be stronger men of Christ. If you live in Arizona, I invite you to attend Real Men. We meet every Wednesday night here at the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. For more resources like this, visit realfaith.com. And remember, it's all about Jesus.